several reasons. Um, one of which, of course, is uh, what we're going to be doing here in just a little bit with your pastor and Derek, but uh, Pastor Derek and Angie. But a uh, couple things, three things you're going to do this morning. First of all, I want to talk to you a little bit. We won't be in this order. We will talk to you about Vision 25, which is the corporate vision that we have as a movement and what we can do, again, engaging together cooperatively in partnership to reach the world for Christ, beginning right here. We're told to go into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Jerusalem is where? Right here it starts. Wherever you're planted, that's your Jerusalem, isn't it? And then you move outward in concentric circles. So we're going to be talking about that just a little bit. And then we're going to also close this service today by commissioning Pastor Derek and Angie into this added ministry that the Lord has given to them in open Bible churches for such a time as this. More I'll say about that in a little bit, but we'll be doing that in just a bit also and commissioning them. We've already installed them uh, from open Bible churches, so they're already in. They're, they're already acting. They're already functioning. But now we're going to take the added step of you as a church commissioning them going out as your ambassadors. I have the title of ambassador. He's an ambassador also, um, serving out there for the Lord and representing you. What we want to do first of all today, of course, is to take a look at um, the Word. You know, Jesus uh, used, I think it's something like 38 or so parables uh, in the Word. And if you go to that slide about parables, please. Parables are those kinds of things where Jesus would tell a story ostensibly about the thing that he was talking about then, but it really had an application to something greater and something bigger. You know, it was a kind of an allegory where he was saying this and you're realizing, oh yeah, but he's really saying that, you know. And, you know, I wasn't there at the time when Jesus would be teaching, but some of his illustrations, some of his parables were a little harder for people to get especially if you were not among the spiritually discerning at that time. It's kind of like, I imagine there were times when he got through sharing a parable and there were people that say, what did he say? Did you get that? I'm sure that some of that probably took place because we're all people. You know, we don't always catch things the first time, do we? So Jesus would do this, but uh, he, he would share those parables and uh, sometimes he would share a parable that maybe didn't leave much room for confusion. It's still an allegory, but everybody would get it. And the parable we're going to look at this morning comes from Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19, parable of the talents or the minas. It's a, a, a matter of currency, the kind of money that was used there. And really, the essence of what we want to look, look at this morning is this question. <clears throat> what do we do with what God entrusts to us? What do you and I do with what God entrusts to us? So let's jump right into Luke chapter 19 and read these verses. A man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. So he called ten of his servants and gave them ten minas. If you're reading another version, I might say uh, talents. Put this money to work, he said, until I come back. Moving on then, when he came back home, says, Then he sent for the servants to whom he had given the money, in order to find out what they had gained with it. Well, the first one came and said, Sir, your mina has earned ten more. Well done, my good servant, the master replied, because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter. Take charge of ten cities. And the second came and said, Sir, your mina has earned five more. And his master answered, 
you take charge of five cities. And then another servant came and said, Sir, here is your mina. I've kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. Uh, I was afraid of you because you're a hard man. You take out what you did not put in and reap what you did not sow. And his master replied, I will judge you by your own words, you wicked servant. You knew, did you, that I am a hard man, taking out what I did not put in and reaping what I did not sow? Why then didn't you put my money on deposit so that when I came back, I could have collected it with interest? And then he said to those standing by, take his mina from him and give it to the one who has ten minas. Sir, they said, he already has ten. And he replied, I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. But as for the one who has nothing, even what they have will be taken away. Whoa, we better pray about this. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity we have to come together into your house. We pray, first of all, that you have been blessed by our praises, because that's why we come here first. You are worthy of our praises. We come here to fellowship with one another. We come here also to receive from you through your word. So, Holy Spirit, we pray you will have your way in our hearts and minds today. Lord, it may be something you want to say to them that's independent of what I say with my words. We just pray that you will have your way ministering to each of our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray and all of God's people together can say, Amen. 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 So what we learn about this passage is about proportionality. And that is receiving blessings commensurate with our giving. Now, I'll probably say this more than once this morning just to make sure of this point. We're not just talking about giving our money, all right? Though the, the channel here, the object of the lesson has to do with money, the principles involved here far transcend just money. So you'll be hearing that because I know sometimes we're, sometimes we're in the, all those preachers. They get up and all they want to do is talk about money. No, I'm not just talking about money today, okay? We're talking about giving what God has given to us. It could be our time. It could be our abilities. It could be our relationships, our networking, all kinds of things that God has given to us. This passage of Scripture also is not about big givers versus little givers. It's what we are doing with what God has given to us. They were all given the same amount to begin with, you notice. So it's not like big guy, little guy here. It's what they did with that, what God had entrusted, or what the nobleman, rather, had entrusted to them. I'm reminded of Exodus chapter 4, too, when God said to Moses, what is that in your hand? And Moses said, well, it's just a rod. And the Lord said to him to throw it down. And that's when God began doing a miraculous work, one after another. And it all came because God said, what is it you have right now? Will you give it up? Will you let go of it? Will you throw it down? And then we read all of the miracles that took place as a result of that submission to the Lord. I'm reminded of Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 2. When we read this, all these blessings will come on you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. That's a good amen. All these blessings will come on you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. I'm reminded of 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 14. There was this woman, a widow woman, who was going to be dying. She had a little son. And she was collecting the last bit of flour and oil that she had in order that she, in order that she could make a meal. And they were just going to die. But God said to her, instead of just choosing to die right now, I want you to make those cakes. And I want you to also feed my servant, my prophet, Elijah. 
And she did, and the word said to her this, there will always, the servant said, their Lord said, there will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. She gave what she had unto the Lord. I'm reminded of Matthew 6.33 that says, But seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things shall be given to you as well. I'm getting excited as I read these verses. I'm reminded of Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7 that says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And I'm not done. I'm thinking about Luke chapter 6, verse 38. In fact, I have that. You can put that up on the screen. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure that you use, it will be measured to you. And we're not just talking about what? (laughs) Money here. Frankly, folks, that verse has probably been one of the most abused verses in all of the New Testament. Can we just be honest here? People saying, you give, you give, and you give to me, and then you'll be blessed. I'm just going to be honest with you. If you ever come around someone that says, the way that you'll be blessed is by just giving to me, don't walk, run. That is not a godly approach at all. That's an abuse of the Word of God here. We want to... We want to appropriately apply the Word of God to our lives and to this ministry. So it's it's about far more than just giving money, it's giving unto the Lord. So what we're looking at this morning is this. We're looking at a prescription for life. Now I realize that for many people here, probably most people here today, I'm sort of preaching to the choir. You've bought in, so to speak, on this prescription for life. But you know what? It's good for us to have good teaching about that, though. for us to go deeper and be more committed to what we know God has asked us to do. And maybe if we've not been totally committed to what God has asked us to do, to be challenged about that as well. So these are the things we're looking at, first of all. We're looking at values. What is most important to us? And you know what reveals our values? Our decisions. Our decisions tell the story. If I don't know what your values are, all I have to do is look at the decisions you make. Billy Graham said, all I have to do is look at your checkbook. And I will know your values then. Secondly, we're talking about outlook. It's not enough just to know what our values are, what's important to us, but what is our outlook? How do we see God? How do we see the world? And where do we see that we fit into all of that? And then thirdly is our motivation. What drives us? What drives us? You know, why we think the things we think and why we do the things we do. It's because we're motivated in a certain direction to do that. So these are the things that have to do with being purposeful. And I think one of the greatest challenges that you and I have Christian, as Christians today have is that we would live purposeful lives. I think some people live what I call as a salmon philosophy of life. You know about the salmon on the Pacific Northwest? You know, the salmon, they'll, they'll come upstream once a year. They go upstream, fight their way upstream where they can spawn, lay the eggs, and then they die. And then their hatchlings come to life. They go down the stream. They go out to the Pacific Ocean, get a little bit bigger, and when they come into adulthood, the next season they come up the river and go up here so they can spawn and they can die. I think some people live like salmon. 
That's the extent of life. I'm going to go from here to here and I'm going to die. Good grief. I believe God has more than that for us. Don't you? I believe he said we could have life and have it more abundantly than that. Praise God. That's what I want. I'm not, I'm not a salmon. And neither are you. So that leads us to two questions today. These, if we're concerned about values, outlook, and motivation, two questions that I think are defining questions in terms of whether we're purposeful. Are you and I, are we an owner or are we a steward? Are we an owner or are we a steward? You know the difference. The owner says, my name's on this. I own this. I can do whatever I want to with it. I will, if, I, if I want to use it, I can use it. If I want to get rid of it, I can get rid of it. It's all mine. A steward says, whatever I hold, I don't own. It belongs to someone else. I'm taking care of this for someone else. I want to tell you something. Once you can reach a point in life where you embrace this concept that you own nothing, that you are a steward of everything that God places into your hands, your life will never again be the same. It is the most liberating thing that can come because you're not chafing against this all the time on what you own, what you own. It's rather, thank you, Lord, for what you've given to me. Years ago, uh, Barbara and I, Barbara and I were not making much money at all, but God made it possible for us to, to buy a piece of land. God, I won't go into details. God opened the doors for us. Buy a piece of land and build our own house. And it was pretty much our house. And it was a wonderful thing. And it was, we just loved that house. And, and uh, we just felt so impressed upon the fact that we were going to own that home because our name would be on it, but it wouldn't mean we would own that home. And so as we first took possession of it, we invited our friends in, we invited our pastor in, and we had a dedication service. We dedicated our home to the Lord. And in the process said, Lord, our name may be on that mortgage, and even if we should pay off that mortgage, we will still never own that house. This house belongs to you because you've given it to us. Somebody might say, yeah, but you worked hard. You bet I worked hard, but he's the one who made it possible for me to work hard. It all comes from him, you know. And, and, and we were able to live in that house. We dedicated that house to the Lord. Lord, we never want to hold it so tightly. We want to hold it like this. Sure enough, in four years, he moved us on to another place of ministry. We were in Des Moines then. We're back in Des Moines now. Every now and then, I drive by that house just to make sure they're taking care of it. Well... And whenever I do, I think, well, Lord, thank you. That was a wonderful season for us. I don't know if we've had a house as nice as that since, but thank you, Lord, for the opportunity you gave us. There's something that is powerful and transformational when you realize you are not an owner, you are a steward of whatever God places in your hand. It will transform your whole outlook. It will transform uh, your values. It will transform your outlook. It will transform your motivation because you know you are a steward and not an owner. And second question is this. Are you and I, are we a consumer or are we a contributor? Are we a consumer or are we a contributor? Now, let's face the obvious. Obviously, we all are contributors. You're all wearing clothes here. Thank God you're, you know, you're, I mean, you're, thank, thank God, you know, that you are consumers in that regard. You know, you, you drove something here. You're a consumer. You know. When you go away from here, you go back to a home. Thankful for that. God's been so good. Yes, we are consumers, but I'm talking about what drives us. You know, 
What drives us? Are we driven to consume or are we driven to contribute? And again, I'm not just talking about money, okay? Because what happens, and you've seen this happen, is when we are driven to consume, it becomes a craving. When we crave, there is never enough that will satisfy a craving. Never enough to satisfy a craving. So we have to be the kind of people that will not become slaves to consumption. In fact, we will be driven by the fact that, Lord, I want to be able to give unto you. May my heart be motivated, first of all, that I can just give back to you for what you've done for me. Because you gave everything for me, for your son Jesus. The only way to live a fulfilling life is to become more than a consumer, to become a contributor. And it's out of a giving heart that joy and fulfillment flow. And that's been demonstrated time and time and time again. Five five questions that I think are dividing questions then about, about this matter, whether we're a contributor, whether we're a consumer, whether we're an owner, whether we are steward. First of all, here's the difference between these. First of all, consumers are spectators. Now, this can be applied to us as individually. It can be applied to the church. I'm not here talking about reach church. As far as I'm concerned, you get an A-plus in my chart. I don't know anything other than that, okay? So if I say anything, it seems like I'm stepping on someone's foot. I didn't know your foot was there. Okay. (laughs) Consumers are spectators. Uh, You know, they only take in. They never get on the playing field but prefer to just sit in the stands. You know about armchair quarterbacks? I'm one of the world's best. We're now coming into March Madness, one of the most wonderful seasons of the year for me. Yes. You know, I just love it. You know, I go into mourning when it's over with every year. You know, So I can sit in my chair, and you know from there, I have a perfect view. I know what he should have done then that he didn't do. I know what was a good move good move. I even know when that was a good call and a bad call by the referee, because I'm sitting here as the premier spectator. And from my vantage point, it's very clear I can see all from here. Now I dropped out of seventh grade basketball. That makes me a real expert on basketball, of course. But from my armchair, I want you to know I can see it all very well from there. Spectators are that kind of person. They, They prefer to just observe and comment and critique but not get in the game, okay? As opposed to contributors are people who are all in. They're saying, whatever part I can play, I will be a part of it. I will play that part. Whatever God has given me, whether it seems large or small in the eyes of others, is insignificant, it's that I can do whatever God has equipped me to do to be used for him. Could be, it could be not just giving, it could be helping uh, young people to become discipled. It could be uh, investing encouragement and hope in someone. Do you know how many people today need hope? How many people need encouragement? And your way of contributing might be that person to be that person that comes alongside them and just gives them that word of encouragement for today, today and that word of hope for tomorrow also in Christ Jesus. It could be implementing the word of God in many ways, putting to action what Jesus commands us to do. Second thing is consumers see themselves as cisterns of truth. Cisterns of truth. Now, you know, in in Israel, in the Holy Land, there are two 
very famous bodies of water. Pastor Derek and I were talking about this last night in the uh, privilege we've had to go to Israel. There's a river, Jordan, and it is a river. That means there is a constant supply of water running through it. There's always that fresh supply of water. Uh, begins uh, from the beginning to the end. It just keeps flowing. And then there's the Dead Sea, which is aptly named. It is a Dead Sea because it has no outlets. Water flows into it, but nothing flows out. It is a salty, stagnant body of water that just sits there, and no life exists in it. Strangest people, it's so, it's strangest thing, it's so salty that you can see people go swimming in it and just sort of sit down in it and they float. It is really weird. And there's nothing below it that's living. It's all dead. So you see, we either are like the River Jordan or we are like the Dead Sea in terms of how we allow God to use us. People who, who, uh, who are like the Dead Sea, it's like their cisterns. They, they hold on to and they hoard truth. When they receive truth, they just keep it right here where it becomes stagnant because there's no outflow of that truth to others. There's no motivation to give that away to someone else. Whereas people who are like rivers give life to people with whom they come in contact. They are the ones who are the contributors who, who share truth in a loving way that benefits and gives life to others. Third one is this. Consumers criticize what, what doesn't line up with their preferences. I don't like things that way. Back to armchair quarterbacks or not. You know, I, uh, I will have completed, again, I'm not talking about reach church. I will have completed 51 years of serving churches when I uh, hang this up. God has been so good. Um, I'm so thankful. But you know what? I never cease to be amazed also at what people will get upset over. Just when I think of it, I've seen it all. Somebody will get in a snit over something. That's very small to everyone else. It's not that significant. But to them, they hold on to that and they specialize in fussing over it. They are the ones who will blow molehills into mountains. Uh, they are the ones who, instead of conducting themselves like disciples, will act like narcissists. And that everything is about satisfying their preferences. And, and what happens often is they will either cause conflict or they will leave in a huff. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm preaching the choir now. Okay, so uh, <laughs> uh, I, I've never ceased to be amazed at that. And it's because they have forgotten somehow their purpose. Why God has placed them into a body of believers. Why God has redeemed them. It's not so that they can just be hoarders of the truth. That they can just be consumers of all things. It's that God would use them to be contributors. To be investors. To give away what God has given to them. And I know many of you have found this to be the truth. The more you give away, the more you are uplifted in yourself. The more your own heart and your spirit and your mind are uplifted. In fact, you could be going through some very difficult times. And at those times decide, it's time for me to give away to someone else. And it's like an elixir to your soul. I don't know why I should be feeling this good because I have lots of reasons to not. But somehow, I just know that God is with me. And God has given me this privilege of serving him. That's the kind of spirit, that's the kind of attitude that takes place because contributors appreciate what God is doing. Individually, in their own lives, in their families, in their church, they're thankful and they're looking for those things to identify and say, thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in my life. 
Pastor Derek and I were in a meeting um, several weeks ago with one of our leaders who told about the time he went to a church to pastor, and uh, there, was, uh, there was an elderly gentleman who came up to him and said, Pastor, here's what I'd like to do. I would like to take you to lunch every Thursday. I have no agenda. Now, if you're like me, when somebody says, I have no agenda, <laughs> okay, let's just wait and see. <laughs> I have no agenda. I, I just, I just want to do this so you don't have to talk church. I can just be a blessing to you. He started doing that every Thursday. Just took him to lunch. He did not pry about anything. He did not pontificate about anything. He did not criticize anything. And then began taking him to golf once a week also. Just wanted to spend that time with him. He wanted to be a contributor to his pastor's life. He wanted to be a blessing to him. And then one day, I guess he felt brave enough. He said, you know, uh, uh, Pastor, there is just one thing I just wanted to mention to you. And this is the only thing I'm going to say about it. Um, the worship really doesn't fit me very well. Um, but you know what? God spoke to me. And I saw all those young ones really being moved by that music. I saw the young ones coming forward, and I realized this isn't about me. This is about what's happening in the church. This is about the impact we're going to have in our community. And, Pastor, I'm with you. I'm standing with you. I may, not, I may not sing real loud during the worship because I don't know how to sing some of those songs, in fact. But I love what God is doing, and I'm standing with you. The church is not about catering to us. It's about making and sending disciples. Fourth, consumers come to sit and get while contributors look to go and serve. Again, all the difference between receiving and giving out. And fifth, Consumers only take in for themselves, and contributors pour out to others. Hallelujah. Those are some of the defining differences that, that really tell who we are as individual Christians and also as members of the body. Now, our open Bible mission, as your pastor said, is to make disciples, develop leaders, and to plant churches. And together, we are doing that. Together, we are doing that. And I believe Reach Church in Colorado Springs is committed to being a contributor. Amen? That's your, I know that already about you. Just from a distance, I know that. Which leads us to goals. I wanted to just say a word about goals here today. There's this uh, saying, you've probably heard it, if you aim at nothing, you will hit it. How many of you have proven that? You know, if you aim at nothing, you will hit it. 100% accuracy that point. But people who have goals are people who accomplish more than they would have otherwise. And there's something about that when it's translated into an act of faith also. It's, it's a combination of faith wrapped into that goal that God honors that. And it's like God is saying, I love your goal. And it's like God is saying, now you have 10 cities. You know, God is saying, I will not allow you to outgive me. I will not allow you to do more than what I am going to do through you. So that leads us to Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 2. Where we receive this word of counsel that says, Write the vision. Make it plain. Writing the vision means that's how we make it. We articulate it. We have something that it is there. It's not just a vague concept. It's the real thing. It's the objective that we we. Uh, we dedicate all of our efforts to achieving that. So that's why in Open Bible, we started something called Vision 25. 
It's something we believe the Lord impressed upon us that if we could collectively, all of us individually as churches and collectively all of our churches corporately, if we could establish some goals that we believe the Lord would impress upon us for 2025, that we will do so much more for the kingdom than we would have if we just said, well, we'll just be here doing what we've always done. We would have, we would have some targets. We would have some goals. Now, one thing about Open Bible Churches is we are not a top-down organization that declares and decrees from our office what you will do about this. We challenge you and give you opportunities. And that's why, if you look at that next slide, that next slide is the kind of thing that we're challenging churches for to do. And your pastor either has been addressing this or will be. Those are five primary indicators of when we know a church is totally involved in the harvest. And so we're asking a church to say, well, what, what would your goals be? How many people would you like to believe for the Lord to use you to win and to make disciples in the next year and between now and 2025? Is there possibly a number that would be a vision for you that would just impel you to move forward, to become more committed to that quest? What about baptisms in the Holy Spirit? Do we ever think about that? Do we ever pray about that? Do we ever say, Lord, help us? Because as, as you know, that baptism in the Holy Spirit is that second work of grace. It is that endowment of power that helps us to live all these things we've been talking about here this morning. We don't have to do it on our own power. We have the power of the Holy Spirit to assist us. How many people, Lord, could we believe for? Could we believe for that there would be baptized in the Holy Spirit? How many newly credentialed ministers? Because a giving church is one that sends people forth, too. You know where our missionaries come from around the world? Where they, where they come from? Churches just like this. They don't just pop up out of the desert. They've been raised up in a body. They have listened to the Lord speaking to them. They've had a, gather, a people a gathering around them saying, we see the Lord's hand is upon you. We want, to, we want to support you. We want to stand beside you. That's true of missionaries and that's true of pastors. Where do we get our pastors? Oftentimes people they think they just suddenly appear. You know. They've grown up in churches. And we need to be looking for and identifying those young men and women that maybe, just maybe, God would be calling them into a ministry, the pastorate as well. Now there are many ways you can serve. It isn't just serving as a pastor. But we need pastors also to go plant those churches. We need pastors that someday when a church has its pastor stepping down, that there's someone to take his place. How many newly credentialed ministers would we like to see rise up and, and be sent forth out of this body by 2025? And then how many churches could we possibly either parent ourselves or partner in combination with others to, to plant those churches? How many would we like to be involved in, in 2020, by 2025? What would that number be? And then MVP contributions, I did get around to giving. Okay, that's our mission venture plan. That's where we provide the fuel to send the missionaries. We are in 47 nations around the world. Somebody has to help them get there. Somebody has to help them find their way to get there and, and resources and tools. Somebody has to be watching out for them. That's where church is saying, this is what we believe we could do in supporting our missionaries and other aspects of our um, mission venture plan around the world. A thriving New Testament church is one that sends forth workers. Now, 
Reach Church has demonstrated its heart for the world also by sharing your pastor, your leader. Pastor Derek mentioned about Largo, Florida. You know, from a distance, I've watched this, and I've been so impressed by that. You, you folks, indeed, see your pastor as your ambassador, as your missionary, going around the world. And in particular now, assuming responsibilities to help churches. He mentioned Bismarck, North Dakota, Montana, the Dakotas, Wyoming, Colorado, New Mexico, from Canada to Mexico. There's that band of states with churches there. Ministers of the region and I previously installed Pastor Derek to that role. And what we're going to do this morning is have you join together with us in commissioning him. I want to tell you a story about a different kind of church than Reach Church. And because this is going out, I would never mention the name of this church or the name of the pastor. This pastor had been involved in leadership in one of our ministries. And uh, the church he was pastoring, it would involve him needing to be gone some Sundays. And the church he was pastoring, the people were not happy about that. They felt like his duty was to always be there every Sunday in that church. And for him to go anywhere else and minister would just not be consistent with what his calling is. It was a very, it was a very closed sort of um, consumer mindset, could I say, of a, ch- a whole church. And that church has not been growing. That church does not have life in it right now. The pastor felt led to go to another church. This church said, oh, we love it that you're involved in that ministry. Let us be a part of that. They have been giving to that. They have been enthusiastically sending him various places around the world. That church is alive. That church is thriving because God's saying, I love it. I'm going to bless you for blessing others because you have a heart to share and to give. Reach Church of Colorado is reaching far beyond the city limits of Colorado Springs. It went all the way down to Florida. And now it's going to reverberate around those states from Canada to Mexico because of your involvement and your sending of your pastor and Angie with him for that. Luke 12, 48 says, From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. I believe you have been given much, and God is saying, you've got more to give now. You're sending your pastor to these places. So, with that in mind, I'd like to ask Pastor Angie, Pastor Derek and Angie, if you would come, please, join me up here. I want to ask members of the board, um, staff, others who have been asked to join with us also in this, if you'd come up and, um, yeah, that'd be great, that'd be great. Then we'll make room for everyone to come up and stand behind you. I want all of these leaders to come and stand behind you and lay hands on you, okay? Sure, looks like you are. Yes. <laughs> Just fill in around here. Yes. And I'm going to ask you, the members of the congregation, if you will stand. And I just encourage you to reach your hands out toward your pastor and Angie. And you're a part of this laying on of the hands this morning, okay? Our Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning with great joy in our hearts, 
You have sent to us Pastor Derek and Angie to this church. They have been faithfully serving you, giving of everything you've given to them. They are indeed contributors. There's not a consumer bone in their bodies when it comes to ministry, oh God. They put it all out there. They give everything. And Lord, this church has stood with them through all of this. This church has said, yes, pastor, we're going with you. Yes, pastor, we will stand with you. Yes, pastor, we release you to go to these places because we know you are doing the work that you've called them to do. Father, as we come before you now, this entire congregation, is our hands are raised out, pointing out toward these folks. We say, Lord, bless them richly. Oh, God, pour out your Holy Spirit upon them. We pray, Lord, you've anointed them and you've called them. They remember the days when they were first called and anointed. But, Lord, you have given them an added endowment and measure, I believe, now in terms of responsibility and in terms of the empowerment that they need to lead this work through mid-mountain plains region. We pray for favor. We pray for blessing. We pray that this one church he's reported that will be joining, that this will be a multitude of churches, O oh God, and souls being one to you. We pray health upon them, every part of their being, Lord, physically, mentally, financially, emotionally, every part of their being, O oh God, we pray blessing and health upon Pastor Derek and Angie, O oh God. Bless them, mighty. And then, Lord, I pray for this church. I pray for this church, Lord, that you will pour out your spirit here like never before. That, Lord, you will prosper this church. That, Lord, you will give this church favor in this community and beyond. That, Lord, you will give them the joy of seeing souls being one for you. Of the joy of seeing souls being baptized in the Holy Spirit. The joy of seeing young men and women coming forward and saying, I will give my all to serve you. May they have the joy of seeing that in unparalleled dimensions like never before we pray in this congregation. And we give all these things to you with great joy in our hearts, being stewards of what you've given to us, O oh God, that we give back to you. In Jesus' precious name we pray. And all of God's people together can say, Amen, Amen, Amen. amen. Let's give the Lord a praise. Do you need a microphone? Wasn't that good? And I will say again, thank you so much uh, for your love for the Lord, for your love for the mission of Christ, the great commission that he gave us. And I know that uh, the folks in Florida appreciate you so much. And some of them are looking to make a pilgrimage out here. And I know some of you have made a pilgrimage down there to see things. Uh, I think it was Lenny. uh, We had moments where he's like, I just don't want to, you know, this thing in Florida... And then he went, and he saw it, and he came back, and he said, man, I I get it. And uh, that didn't mean that he was bad for not getting it. It's it's important to communicate the vision and communicate the stories with the congregation so that you know that uh, your reach, can you say reach? reach? Your reach up for God, the love that you have for the Lord, the love that you have for one another, and then the reach into the world to take the love of Christ to those who need it. Um, Largo, Florida was an opportunity. Uh, that door opened, and 
I think some reluctantly, and I know that, that some have not been happy about it, but at the same time supportive, and that's, you know, that, that's an interesting thing. There was a son that wasn't happy about going into the field, but you know, uh, he decided to go anyway, and he was considered the righteous son. And so I get that sometimes we, we can feel like, man, you know, I, I want my pastor here. Um, I won't tell you who came to me recently, but, but I, uh, there was somebody who came to me and said, Pastor, I need to repent to you. And I'm like, you need to repent to me? You got to understand, like, this is a person that I, I see as the person I would go to and say, hey, I'm working through some stuff. Can you pray for me? But it was that thing, like, really just, like, I really want you here but seeing what God is doing, I, you're released, and I love you, and I appreciate what we're doing for the kingdom of God, uh, in a nutshell. I will go back, uh, this is a few weeks back, but in uh, part of we have a, a new couple in the church, uh, you'll probably get to meet them at some point, but they come up from Largo, Florida, <laughs> when they're looking for a church, and they saw that we have a church in Largo, Florida, so it's quite interesting that, that God would send a family from Largo, Florida. And then there was another family, a younger family that came in from Largo, Florida. Is that kind of interesting that that would be the case? And how many friends do you think they might have in that area that they could say, hey, there's a wonderful church down in Largo, Florida. I'm telling you, the kingdom of God has no bounds. The spirit of God has no bounds. And he wants us to make an impact in this world. Not for our glory, but for his glory. Amen? Listen, uh, Pastor Warren's going to come and he's going to talk you through uh, what we're going to do and pray over the meal, correct? Over our fellowship. All right, good morning, Reese. I hope you're not done. I know we've had a great time of worship and word, but we are going to have some fellowship together. Is that okay? So we're going to give you a couple minutes to go back and grab your children from Children's Church. As you're doing that, uh, if you want to grab those that are left, if you want to grab some drinks, we're going to, I've got a team that's going to start bringing out our food, so hopefully you're hungry this morning. We've got brisket, pulled pork, we've got potato salad, coleslaw, and cornbread, so I hope you're ready for a great time of fellowship. Uh, and we've got uh, Brad is going to be releasing on that side. I'll be re releasing on this side. Tips are accepted. Thank you. Um, <laughs> let's just pray over our time together. Heavenly Father, thank you for allowing your Holy Spirit to spend time with us this morning. To bless us with your presence. To allow us to have fellowship with you this morning. Father God, where two or three are gathered in your name. There you are in our midst. And so this morning, Father, we ask that you continue to allow us to have fellowship together with you and with each other. Father God, with you, will you bless this food into our bodies this morning for works for your service, Father God, as stewards of the kingdom. In Jesus' precious name, and everyone said amen, amen and amen.